Um, this morning, I just have a few, a few words to share with you. And to get us started, we have a video uh, that I want to share with you. And uh, if we're ready with the video, we'll, we'll share it. You may have seen this a couple years ago. What's great about the iPhone is that if you want to check snow conditions on the mountain, there's an app for that. If you want to check how many calories are in your lunch, there's an app for that. And if you want to check where exactly you parked the car, there's even an app for that. Yep, there's an app for just about anything, only on the iPhone. We're not sponsored by any of those products. <laughs> and, and we accept Mac and PC here, so it's, uh, it's all the same. But one of the things, the reason I'm showing you that video is when it first came out in 2009, one of the big things, it wasn't that this was, that the iPhone was a better smartphone than all of the other phones. It was that they had a better app store than everyone else. And so one of the things they, the, the, they marketed this was there is an app for that. So if there was any idea that you had anything you needed, the idea was, oh, there's an app for that. I want to find the nearest grocery store. Oh, there's an app for that. I want to find the nearest gym. Oh, there's an app for that. And so what happens is it became this kind of mantra that anything you need, you'll be able to find on this app store. And that's what made it great. Except as we think about it more, is there really an app for everything? Because that's what they make it seem. As of right now, I believe there's over 500,000 apps on the App Store. That's a lot, right? Yeah. I, it makes you think that they do have everything. But as I was preparing for this message this morning, I had this question to ask. If there is, is, if there is an app for everything, is, is there an app for troubled times? Is there an app to calm an anxious heart? Is there an app to calm a restless soul? Is there an app to heal a broken heart? Is there an app to heal broken relationships? And the answer is that no, there is no app that deals with the deep things of life. There may be apps to do the simple things, but for the real things that matter in our lives, there is no app. There is, however, God's promises. For the troubled times, for the difficult times in our life, when we face difficulty and trials, there is not an app for that, but there is a promise of God for almost everything and every situation that we find ourselves in. The difference between the app and God's promise, if you've ever downloaded an app, what happens? You download it, you, you, you play with it for a couple of days, and then you write a review and sometimes the reviews tell you that this app doesn't fulfill what it promised it would when you paid a dollar or 99 cents. The difference is that where that doesn't always fulfill what we want, God's promises never fail. Amen? And so we look at our first text of the morning, and it's Lamentations 3.22. Now, this was written during a time when the children of Israel, when the Israelites, God's chosen people to be his messengers, when they were in exile, they were lamenting. They, this whole book of Lamentations, as the title describes it, is just a bunch of laments because they were in a tough spot. And yet tucked in the middle of this says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. You see, what we find in this life is that we look for so or to so many other things to calm an anxious heart. Isn't that true? For some people, I heard, a, I heard a story of a friend of ours, well, not really a friend of ours, but from a friend of ours, uh, that she had such a bad day at work that she decided to drive to South Coast Plaza to go on a shopping spree. Now, some of you I know can relate to that. And afterwards, she says, it didn't even make me feel better. I was listening on the radio this week, and they were, there was some lady, they were interviewing a lady that's into crystals or something like that, right? I don't, I don't know what it's called. I was just listening for a little bit. Um, and the person that was doing the interview says, oh, yeah, I've heard of this. Uh, my mom gave me a crystal that I hang in my, in my apartment, and it's supposed to restore my soul or calm my spirit. I don't know anything about crystals, but I have a hard time believing that an inanimate object can do very much. Kind of like those bracelets people wear, the magnet ones. Do those help? Do they? I don't know. It's like to give my wife a hard time about that. She has one. But the truth is, is that we look to so many things in this life that we hope will give us calm or will give us hope or, or will make, our, make us feel better. And the truth is that there's very little that we can find that will actually calm our hearts. Isn't that true? Is that true? Be- because even if it's a little bit, even if it helps for a little bit, if it's a real problem, it's still, still going to be there after this. And so we have another promise of God in Matthew one twenty three, kind of getting ready for the Christmas season. And it says, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. You see, when God makes a promise like that, he can't take it back. If God gives his word, then his word will stay true from now until eternity. And so the promise of God is that he is a God who is always with us. The problem, I think, that happens sometimes is that we choose not to be open to God's presence in our lives. Isn't that true? Has it ever happened to you? And then when we look back, right, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. When we look back, we realize, oh, God was always there. Because when God gives his word, it's his word till the end. And God's promise is that he is with us in the most difficult of circumstances and in the good circumstances. God is always there. The variable is always ourselves. Are we open to God's presence? And as we read for our scripture, I want to look at another text. And I'm setting up the groundwork for this. Where another promise of the, is, is that it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, Peter writes, Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how um, nobody likes a friend that always comes to you and talks to you about all of their problems, right? Or it's not that we don't like it, but after a while, it begins to drain our soul, right? And yet God says, look, you may not always have someone to go to, but you can always come to me because I care. Now, in our human relationships, it's always, it's very possible that we can care for someone very much and we can love them and we can always want to be there for them. 
But every once in a while, with some of these relationships, if there is a break in the relationship, we don't feel comfortable going back to that person. But God says, I will care for you always, even to the very end. And so God says, come to me, cast all of your anxieties to me, because he cares. Here's the thing about God, is that God is always extending an invitation to you. And God doesn't shut that invitation down ever. But rather, it's like those Facebook posts, right, where people invite you to something. It's like God is constantly pressing that send button on Facebook that he keeps inviting you day in and day out. Because God is never at rest. As we've been going through Psalm 23, what we've begun to see from the very beginning is that God is the one who wants to lead us every step of every day. And God is the one that, who walks before us and prepares the way. So sometimes when we encounter something difficult, it's hard for us to see beyond that. And yet God's already three steps ahead of that saying, Don't, just keep walking. Keep going because this too shall pass. And I think sometimes we like to just wallow in the misery or just kind of wallow in self-pity. And God says, just keep on moving because this will pass. I've already gone through this. I think sometimes we have to remember that when we do face, maybe it's something at work, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's with your kids, maybe it's with someone here in church. Whenever we face some sort of difficulty, God says, just keep moving forward and trust that I am preparing and paving the way. To which we come to the text for this morning, the main text And if you're visiting with us, we're doing a sermon series through the book of Psalm 23, the chapter Psalm 23. And we're at the part that says that he, God, restores my soul. And the only reason that somebody's soul needs to be restored is that it is distorted or disrupted or it is out of sync and it's broken. The only reason something needs to be restored is if it's damaged or if it's broken. And I would put it like this. In the midst of chaos, disharmony, and uncertainty, God always gives you peace. And it's like I said in the prayer, where you are empty, God fills you. Where you are broken, God will mend you. And this is the promise of God when he says that he restores our soul. Which is why, as I said a few minutes ago, if we look to so many other things to try to fill our soul, nothing will ever fill it. Because God is the one who created you. God is the one who made you, who breathed the breath of life in you. And only God can truly satisfy the deep yearnings of your heart. Amen? If you've ever gone through something and you have felt the presence of God, you know that there is nothing out there that can do the same thing that God does. And so this is why, and I'm going to skip a couple of slides. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Verse 17. So do not be foolish, but understand that the will of what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So I would suggest this, that this passage isn't necessarily about wine. It may be and have something to do with it, 
but you could probably substitute anything else that you do to try to fill your soul, to try to give you life. And so in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, Paul, Paul writes, don't do those things that you think will give you life. The things that are right in front of you that are immediate that you just have. He says, don't just go to that. He says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. To which I have to ask you this question. Is it really easy to feel filled with the Spirit? Yes, no? For some people, it is easy. But for some of us, it's a feeling that we don't know how to feel. Does that make sense? And so we try to be filled with the Spirit. And every morning we wake up and we say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit that I would live my life in honor and giving glory to you. But the truth is, is that as soon as the day gets started, there are so many other people's voices in our, in our head that it's oftentimes easier to listen to the people who speak the loudest, even though we should be listening to the still, small voice of God. And so when Paul says, do not be filled with wine, what he's really trying to get across is do not fill yourself with all the other stuff that you think will give you life, because it won't. For only the author of life and the source of the one who gives the life, only he can truly fill you. And so this is what he says, be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among you, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God and the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. You see, to be filled with the Spirit, it actually takes us doing something. And what it means is that we must open our hearts and open our souls to that. And some of the examples that Paul gives us is he says, sing spiritual songs. How many of you listen to music and it makes you feel better sometimes? Like, like the song you listen to at the beginning of the day kind of helps you to, go, to get going? Yeah. And so what, God, what Paul is saying, he says, fill yourself with good things. Fill yourself with the things that give life, not the things that take your, your life away. So let me give you an example that I've used, I think, here before. Um, some time ago, uh, before I got here, years ago, um, with the advent of Netflix, right, you have all these shows that you can watch on television, on, on your computer, and you can just keep clicking on it and watching as long as you subscribe. And so there would be times where I would spend like two days watching a television series because I wanted to see how it ended. And at the end of that, not only did I waste my life, I also felt completely and utterly empty. Now, I'm not telling you to not watch television. The example is that for me, that robbed my life. It took hours out of the day that God had given me to do something meaningful. And so Paul, for me, is telling me, and I'm using myself as an example, don't fill your days with Netflix. But fill yourself with the Spirit. Fill yourself with good things, with everything that is beautiful, honorable, and true. And so I have a list of things that I want to share with you that might help us to do this in a very practical way. So here are some real ways that we can connect with God. The, the obvious one is read the Bible. Don't just sit there, though, and read for like an hour. What I tell people is take one story out of the New Testament, maybe one of the Gospels. This is practical stuff here, okay? But this is what I do when I lead some people through Bible studies. 
take one story from the New Testament, from, from the, one of the Gospels, and just read that. And people always tell me, but that's going to take me like two minutes. I said, okay, then read it ten times. But read it. It's not about how much of the Bible you read. It's about how much of the Bible stays with you. It's about how much it really begins or how the Holy Spirit shapes you by what you are reading. And guess what? You may come through to a story that may not say that much to you. That's okay. All of the Scripture is inspired by God. It's all God's Word. So maybe you just have to spend a few extra minutes asking God, what is this saying to me today? So that's one practical way we can fill ourselves with the Spirit. Another one is read the Bible together with other people. There are two, there are two um, ladies in this church who they, they get together in the evenings and they read books and Bible together. And they, every time I see them, they tell me how amazing it is and how meaningful it is because one person's perspective is different and they complement each other. Read the Bible together with someone, with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with your friends, with whoever is willing to do that because you will see how much the Spirit will open your eyes to what the other people are saying. One of the other ways to be filled with the Spirit is relationships. Just spending time with people fills your soul. Because everything in this earth will fade away. Everything, it says, the, the Bible says that moth and rust destroy everything that is in this earth. The only thing that will last into eternity is what? You. Each other. And so getting together with people will fill your soul. There are some days where I call one of my pastor friends who pastors here in Orange County, and I say, let's just go get lunch because, you know, I just need somebody to talk to. And we go and we spend hours together, whether it's at lunch, whether it's in the office, whatever it is. But what I have found is that interacting with other people fills my soul. Amen? One of the other practical things we can do is church socials. Amen? I think, was it last week? Yeah, last week we had a church social here. And it gets kind of competitive. But the men are gracious enough and allow the women to win at Bible Jeopardy every single year. That's a joke. They killed us again. I don't even want to tell you. what The, the score was like, what, 2,400 to like 600? Sad. Men, be here. <laughs> but you know what it does? Church socials, we see everybody sitting here and we're reverent and we're quiet. But the moment we step outside of this building and go into the other building, all bets are off. And we grow together and we learn about each other. And what begins to happen without us knowing is the community of faith that gathers here grows stronger and closer together. And the closer you are with somebody, the more you like somebody, the less chance you're going to have at not forgiving them if they do something that offends you. Do you see what I mean? So that's another way to be filled with the Spirit. Prayer, music. Just showing up to church is a way you can be filled with the Spirit. Food with friends, community service, if you've ever helped with one of the projects that we've done in the church, and I can only speak for this church, what, what you come away with is an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving that you have the life that you have because you have so much, even if it doesn't always feel like that. Amen? Being filled with the Spirit isn't just about being in prayer all day long and asking God to fill you, but rather here what we find in the Scripture is a part of being filled with the Spirit is that we are opening ourselves up, opening our hearts, saying no to the things that take our life away, that are destructive, 
but opening ourselves up to all of the goodness and beauty that God has for us. And oftentimes that is found in community and in relationships and as we also open our hearts up to God. Now I want to share one more passage because I know that we're, we're going here long. Isaiah 59, verse 2. So we're always talking about how we need to open our hearts up to God, about how we want to come closer to God because true life is found in a relationship with Jesus. But sometimes through our own doings, we separate ourselves from that. And so it says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. I would put it like this. Some of the destructive things we do separate us from God. You know, some of you may be struggling with your relationship with God, and some of you may be saying, but I pray all the time. But the truth is that to say that we have faith in God is different than living as though it is true. Because sometimes we just fill our lives, and this is the theme for the day, sometimes we fill our lives with all of these things that are destructive. And God is just standing there waiting for us to come out of that haze. But the truth is is that the longer we stay in these things, these destructive tendencies, and they're different for all of us, you know what they are in your life, the things that you just have to put to sleep and put to death. God says, I'm here. Remember, I am the God who is with you. I am the God who cares. I am the one who is trying to rain blessings upon you every single morning. I am the God who walks before you and prepares a path, but I can't do this without you walking alongside me. And the truth is, is that sometimes the reason we are not connecting with God isn't because God is holding off. It's because we are holding off. And it's time for us to come face to face with the things that are keeping us from entering into that deep relationship with Jesus. Because without Him, we will never experience the fullness and the meaning of life. Without Jesus, we will never experience the life that God has always created us to live, which isn't a life of richness and of having all the toys. That's not for God. That necessarily isn't important. You know why? That's biblical. You know why? Because when it talks about heaven, what are the streets paved with? Yeah. Have you ever wondered why that is? Because there will be no value. The thing we walk on is what we value here. And I would suggest and I would argue that the reason heaven is paved with streets of gold isn't because it's a magnificent place. It's because what we value here isn't really that important there. What we think is valuable and important here, for God is like, that's the stuff we walk on. That's our dirt. Now, I don't know, God didn't say that, but that's what I read into the scriptures in Revelation chapter 21. Because what God is calling us to do here is that to be filled with the Spirit means to live a meaningful life in relationships with people, always opening our hearts up to Him. And in the process of all of this, God is the one who will restore your soul. He is the one who will fill your emptiness and mend your brokenness. This morning, I want to close with prayer. And I want to just challenge all of you 
Because this is the thing we always say, um, I want to have a relationship with God, but then my day starts and it gets so busy that sometimes there is no time for that. I would say that sometimes we're investing in the wrong thing. And I would challenge each one of you here this morning. I know, I know life is busy. I know it's busy. And there's very little time to do a lot of things. But I would challenge you this week that the moment you go to be filled with that thing that you really want to do because you know it's going to make you happy to stop for two seconds, a minute, and just open your heart to God in prayer and say, God, I can't wait to go watch this. But before I do, I want to ask you to fill my soul with your spirit. Do that. That's practical. And see if God is not going to work amazing things in your life this week. And then next week, come back, and I want to hear about this. Okay, for Thanksgiving Sabbath in two weeks, do this prayer for two weeks, and then we're going to open up the, our church for testimonies to hear how God has been working in your life. I pro- hey, this is God's promise, not mine. So keep God's, make God keep his word. Say, God, fill me with your spirit, and then wait to see what God will do in your life. He's done it for me, and he'll do it for you. And I want to challenge you to do that. Let's pray. God, as, as the words of Scripture kind of marinate on our hearts and on our minds, we pray that we would say no to all of the things that are destructive to our hearts. Say no to all of the things that we think make us happy but actually rob us of the life you've given us. And God, may you give us the courage to seek you first in all things. And God, this morning, as the pastor of this church, I claim the promise that you are with us and that you will fill our hearts. And Lord, we we claim the promise that you will do great and mighty things for those who will be your witness. In the name of Jesus, we pray.